Hello and good day, marvelous podcast family. I hope that wherever you are in the world, that you are healthy, that you are happy, that you are making the most out of these trying times on the planet. I am sending you all of my love, good wishes, and support through the airwaves. I am doing as many podcasts as I can to find empowering perspectives on this situation. If you want to support the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Please share on Facebook, on Instagram, wherever. You can support on Patreon. If you go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair, you can join the academy and get access to the absolutely phenomenal Soul Compass course that will teach you how to use your natural GPS system to create a life of of meaning, purpose, and extraordinary living by your own definitions. And you can get that at bit.ly forward slash mindbodyspirit21. And during this time, I'm doing a pay as you want. So just DM me, uh, send me an email anywhere, matt at zenathlete.com. Let me know what you can pay. Happy to put you through that course and get you access to all the amazing exclusive content and training over there. And for those of you guys who are interested in coaching, just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com. Some people want to use this time to do courses and level up, and I am happy to support you. So I hope that you're doing well. Let's get into this amazing episode, but first, let's come to a state of peace and coherence. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose, filling every cell, every muscle and fiber of your being with peace, joy, empowerment, strength, inner knowing, and ready to take on this amazing episode. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. Today's guest is the founder of Collective Evolution and CETV. His work focuses on inspiring people to remember that we have the power to rewire ourselves in order to rewire the human experience at its core. Through his courses, news media, and his podcasts, he assists with the practical personal transformation needed for humanity to usher in and reveal the physical solutions necessary to change the way we live in society towards a world where we can truly thrive. Welcome to the show, my friend, Joe Martino. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That was, it was fun to hear you read that. Out. <laughs> it's the first updated bio in quite a while, but uh, thanks for having me here. It's going to be a good combo. Yeah, man. So excited to finally make this happen. We've had just so many private conversations that are always uh, very in-depth. I'm always so excited to talk to you on a personal level because you have your ear to the ground, always your feelers out there trying to separate fact from fiction. And now we've been kind of discussing things as the coronavirus thing kind of heats up you know, from like going into lockdown and then all this stuff. And then you and I are like, okay, we really got to zone in on this. Like what is, what is actually happening here? And it's a little bit chaos, you know, if you're trying to figure it out. Um, but for those of people who don't know you, which most people will, but some of my audience won't, you want to give a little bit of background on just who you are and how you got to um, what you're doing today with CE and all the amazing stuff that you're up to. Sure. Yeah. I mean, essentially I was, you know, kind of like that, that, that kid back in the day that kind of saw that there was things going on in the world that didn't totally make sense to the way I saw things. And uh, this was back when I was in my early teens and so forth. And then um, I kind of always just had an interest for exploring different ideas. Uh, Eventually that led me through to um, starting to discover that things going on in the world were, um, you know, the intuition, the inklings that you have that, you know, maybe the things, the power structures and so forth are kind of a little bit 
Uh, we're not seeing what the news is telling us or we're not seeing what, you know, mainstream society is kind of saying is, is the truth here. And uh, so the more I looked into it, the more I started to realize, hey, yeah, there is actually something to this. Um, you know, I ended up dropping out of college over the course of time because I just wasn't feeling fulfilled within that whole experience. Dove into um, the idea of continuing on this research, started to come across this, this deeper aspect of things where I started to get into consciousness. I started to get into spirituality. I started to get into the ideas of how are my ideas formed? How do I, why do I believe what I believe about who I am as a person, the true nature of reality, right? So now we're talking about what really is the foundation of our reality from a quantum perspective. The more I started to dive into this stuff, the more I started to understand this stuff, I said, you know what? I want to share this information with people because this is really helping me and it's really giving me a different perspective. I'm feeling more in tune. I'm feeling more fulfilled. Maybe, you know, it's important to share this with other people. So I started uh, Collective Evolution, uh, which at the time was essentially just like a blog um, where I would just kind of share my ideas, my insights, my thoughts, what I was observing, whatever it may be. And then over the course of time, it's been now about 11 years, um, you know, we've evolved into a full-on sort of news media uh, organization. We do education a little bit here and there. We, you know, we have our own uh, on-demand streaming platform. And all these different things have sort of evolved out of this. We've made documentaries. We're about to release another documentary in probably a month or less. Um, and that's kind of like where it's all come. I didn't get into quote unquote journalism because I was interested in journalism. It happened by accident and it happened to be the easiest way to share a message that um, at the time and, and still now I, I truly felt people needed to hear. So that's pretty much kind of the Coles Notes version of, of how we got here, you know. Yeah, awesome, man. Well, you know, I've, I've been familiar with you and your work for a long time. And, you know, I know some of the behind the scenes stuff, right, of like, just wanting to investigate this. And I think that you and I are so similar in a lot of ways. We just we're kind of looking at things and be like something doesn't seem right. Mm -hmm. And you start to go down that rabbit hole. And then as you're trying to get to the bottom of it, you really need to be discerning with, you know, what is the truth and, and what isn't. And some things are pretty obvious, like when there's a lot of money at stake, you know, when there's a lot of money in certain hands, when you can figure out that media is owned um, and then they have agendas that have money linked to that as well, then things can become a little bit more obvious. But most people don't even question that. They don't even start there. They, they think, you know, we discussed earlier, the government is here to help you. People believe mm -hmm. that. And I remember when I really became clear, it's like, oh, the government isn't here to help me and all the news and media is just lying to me on purpose. I was like, that's crazy. You know what I mean? That like, why would they do that on purpose? It, it was such a weird concept. And I know that you going through collective evolution, what we're seeing now and what concerns me is our, our human rights being taken away. Like the first amendment, you know, it's uh, in the charter of rights and freedom of the freedom of speech. We're having doctors censored. We're having all of this stuff, this mass censorship. And when I was in China, it was a really crazy thing because they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have YouTube. They were afraid to talk about politics or religion. They were literally afraid when I, when I talked to the translator, when I was training with monks over there. Um, and I thought that was very interesting. And we're starting to see that happen over here um, with all of these other things that are happening. And so uh, may, maybe you can speak a little bit about censorship and uh, what you're seeing out there, because I know that you've experienced it firsthand many times you know you've probably been blocked and banned uh more on youtube than anyone else so maybe if they give it a an award um you can receive yeah. that and put that gladly on your wall but it's a real thing and it's a very serious thing um that a lot of people are experiencing and now it's becoming more overt and i just want to commend you as a human being because 
a lot of people get into this thing, they start to question things and they say, how do I make a living, you know, doing something positive for the world, but you've remained genuine every time Big Brother has kicked you right in the butt. Um, <laughs> you've you've, remained, you've uh, remained genuine, just trying to figure out the truth and share that. So I just want to say that as a, as a personal note of respect. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. I mean, uh, in terms of, uh, you know, censorship, I mean, it, it really, there have been forms of it we'll say going on for, you know, decades and decades, right? And I'm sure a lot of people who've been in this game even longer than I have, um, you know, can tell you about their experiences with that as well. Back, you know, even 20, 30 years ago, you know, I'm sure there's some great examples of, of cover-ups and so forth. That's actually part of a, a new documentary that we're putting together. But, you know, for us, uh, it sort of really became like strikingly obvious. Like this was the first time that, we were like, okay, there is a massive, very obvious agenda. And when you look at your numbers every day, your, your, your traffic numbers, um, which in, in a lot of cases translates to your revenue, when you're looking at your video view numbers on YouTube, which you know also translates to revenue, you have enough metrics to really get an idea of when there's a, a very clear downturn, right, within something. And the, the last election cycle that took place where Trump won, uh, you know, how, how did he win? You know, that's a whole other story. But where, where Trump won uh, back in 2016, um, that was when it all really started and happened. Because that was uh, the first time that, you know, you started to see what I've long talked about is a power struggle within the elite, uh, whereby, um, you know, you're seeing not the same guard, as they call it, having all the strength there seems to be perhaps a changing of a guard or a shift or a battle something going on behind the scenes this is beyond government and so forth that is causing a lot of very powerful people to panic about some movements and some things that are happening uh, beyond behind the scenes and when you look at um, what's happened with censorship as it relates to that is anybody who would like the trust in mainstream media have had been dying for a long period of time. And that's simply because as people begin to see more clearly spread information through the internet and more and more people are having different perspectives, it becomes very obvious very quickly that what you hear on the mainstream media is not necessarily true or it's not necessarily the full story. Meaning there's a lot more details that change entirely what the perception you might you know, get at the end of the story uh, actually is. So the more people started to realize that, the more the internet, i.e. Wh whether it's independent media, whether it's, you know, YouTubers and analysts and bloggers and so forth, or whether it just be alternative news, like people like to call that, that as well, that started to gain a lot of popularity. And it actually, in, in my, from my perspective, it gained so much popularity in 2016, 2017, that um, it was becoming now a problem. It was, it, it, they had, you know, those, uh, I guess you could, that, that conglomerate, although it wasn't related in that particular way intentionally, but the conglomerate of all of the different people that were in alternative media now had more power than uh, mainstream media in sharing a message, not necessarily completely flipping public perspective, but in sharing a message and getting it out there. And, uh, and so through that, you started to have the, the idea of fake news was born. Uh, you know, algorithmic censorship started, you know, between uh, YouTube, between Twitter, between Instagram, between Facebook, right? Even Google started to factor their search engines algorithmically to, algorithmically to knock out uh, specific people and so forth. And 
Um, you know, we saw an 80%, you know, almost in the course of six months, we saw an 80% decrease in our revenue and our traffic. And so when you got to think, when you build a, a company and you're doing everything quote unquote right, right? You're meaning you're, 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 you're smart about the decisions you make, you take things in stride, you know, you're not just spending all your money and making all these crazy hires and going all over the place, but you're actually building your business properly, so to speak. And then all of a sudden someone comes and just goes, and all of a sudden 80% of your revenue is gone. And now you're going, well, what the hell do I do? You know, you have to, you have to pivot a lot. You have to figure out how the heck you're now going to reach people, uh, keep your business alive, you know, get the message out that you're trying to do. Like it, it becomes this really massive, like you really feel when you're in it, how insanely powerful the censorship has been in knocking the legs out of independent media. I mean, we went from having, you know, tons and tons and tons of friends and colleagues in alternative media who ran, you know, Facebook pages, who ran, um, you know, different uh, websites and so forth. We had, there were so many of them and it just all went down to a small, tiny group of ones that decided to stay alive because a lot of them were like, this is just way too hard. It's not worth the time and energy and they just, they left, right? Others just had their stuff removed entirely, but um, it was hugely impactful and it impacted almost every platform that we were on. Um, and most of the time, and now we see this with fact checkers today, and we've covered this uh, quite a bit in terms of like specifics of the stories, but uh, fact checkers today is really just another layer of censorship where they now have this more, this less overtly obvious way of censoring you. So instead of saying, we're just removing your stuff, they're saying, well, we fact-checked it. These experts have fact-checked it. We found that, hey, you're wrong, you know? And therefore, we're not going to show this to people. But what you'll notice, and we've, again, we've covered this a lot, is that the fact-checkers are wrong very, very, very often. And I would say in about 85 to 90% of cases where we've been fact-checked, uh, the fact checker has actually been wrong. So there's, you know, about maybe 10 to 15% of the time, uh, maybe even less, I don't know, I'm, I'm taking a sort of a guess right now, where we've actually made a small error within the article. But the rest of the time is they're very verifiably wrong. Um, but there's nothing you can do about it. And that's kind of been the journey when it comes to censorship. Yeah, man, you, you brought up a lot of uh, important, important points there. Like, uh, you know, I've seen a rise on it quite significantly i had it actually around the same time it was about a year and a half ago now that uh, my podcast got cut from i was i was on the trajectory and i was doing it i was like yeah 150,000 downloads a month i could feel the the wind beneath my wings feeling so yeah. good and then boom i get uh, kicked off of uh, itunes and my my listens have gone down to about 30 thousand um, from 150 and, yeah. and steadily climbing and so that was kind of a kick in the butt and it's, it's a really challenging space to be, but especially when you're trying to have conversations about stuff that really matters on what is going on on this planet, what's actually happening here. And that was my original question. I'm watching the TV as a young kid, looking at people starving to death, their bodies, you know, are dying of starvation. Um, you know, I've been using this example with the coronavirus thing. Everybody's losing their mind for the coronavirus. I was like, we've known for sure, not through um, a model of what could happen, 
that over 9 million people die of hunger-related illnesses every year. Um, I think it's 3 billion live under $5.50 a day, but because it doesn't affect you, it doesn't concern you at this point in time. And so we're kind of, we're, we're not really paying attention to that, but that always really bothered me. And, you know, and looking into things and how we still had war, that's how I got in, uh, learned about psychological manipulation, things like that. You know, we look at the work of, uh, and I know you know all this, the Century of Self, Edward Bernays, um, Project Mark, Mockingbird, all of these things you can find that if you research are very real and, and um, you can then begin to kind of put some other pieces of the puzzle together. It doesn't take a lot of research to see that media is owned and that yeah. the television, you know, and the propaganda, really what's happening at a very high level, I think in the States it's six, six corporations run all the media and uh, they obviously have financial interests. And so if you're controlling all of the media and the news, which is supposed to be truth and so a normal person would say, why would the news not just be the truth? But some people are like, something's fishy here, and they investigate it and learn these different things. So why would it not be truth? But then you kind of look, and if you're controlling everybody's attention, you believe that what they're saying is truthful, and now you're looking at all these other sites like Instagram, Facebook, it has the attention of everybody. And attention is the most powerful thing. And it's an interesting thing to hear that, those alternative media sites may have had more power, meaning they couldn't go and um, push forth their agenda through all of these small networks. So they had to do something else. And so I'm curious if you wanted to give us your thousand foot overview on what you think is going on here, because we've had a couple private discussions on it. And I'd just be curious what you're willing to share about what do you think is actually happening? And I'm, I don't know if you'll get into it, but I love what you said about going beyond the narratives they provide. And I think that's such a powerful statement um, because a lot of the time I say we're offered, if you look at politics, you can have McDonald's or Burger King. They both are crappy fast food. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You're not really getting a choice. And so I'd love to hear um, just your thoughts on what you're observing. Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a lot lot to talk about there. Um, one thing I want to add real quick about the way people consider media, um, you know, like people are very into the peer review process when it comes to science, right? We we think that that's so important to have a, a peer review board, which essentially the way it works is, let's say, a scientist finds something, um, they you know prepare their uh, experiments, they record how they did everything, they put together a study, they submit that study to a journal, that journal then puts it through a, a board of peers, which is a board of scientists who all will look at that particular study and they will say, is this sound? And you know, there's a bunch of criteria they will think about, right? So essentially it's a, it's a way of saying, okay, you've, you've come up with something. Let's look at a whole bunch of people, see what they think, i.e. get other perspectives, make sure that this makes sense. And then, you know, they publish it. And we're so big on that process, you know, like, hey, we love that process. That process is so important. That process has, it makes a decision as to how we go about building pharmaceuticals, how we build a health uh, policy, how we do things, you know, science is so important. Yet when it comes to media, which is really what makes people decide who they're going to vote for, what is important in the world, what's happening in their world, et cetera, et cetera, there is no peer review process. We literally just are okay with looking at one or maybe two mainstream perspectives and saying, yeah, well, I'm informed, right? So where, where in our minds do we suddenly give up this idea of requiring uh, multiple different perspectives and also having corroboration or vetting done at different levels before we say, yeah, this story is true. 
we don't really have that go on. And that's just the relationship that we've had culturally with media for such a long time. If you look at, you know, we're both similar age, right? Um, if you look at our parents, they would have almost had no reason within the culture that they grew up in at the time to not trust mainstream media because to them it was like, well, you know, this is just, this is just how it was. Like when you get information, you get it from the, the television set where they give, they give you the truth of what happened that day. Here are the facts. You can't even verify this yourself because we're the purveyors of that. And their parents would have probably gone to the movie theater and before the movie starts, they would have seen, oh, here's, here's the news for the day, or they would have got a newspaper, right? And so this culture of people starting to ask questions and people starting to see things differently is spread differently across different generations that are alive today that makes up the collective. And so you're always going to have these battles and these extremes as to what's going on. People will say the awake and the unawake people or whatever it might be. Everybody has labels for stuff that's slightly different. But the point is, is you have, you have all these different, these different battles, different perspectives going on. And what I think is going on in, in a lot of different ways right now is it, 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 we can get more specific, but if from a, from a 10,000, from a 10,000 foot view to begin with, it's, we're, we're being given, in essence, the exact scenario we require out there to awaken as many people as possible. Meaning the people who have been, and when I say awaken, I literally mean like snapping yourself out of a spell, snapping yourself out of a point of sleep. Um, and so, you know, there's all these people, say, who have been investigating different ideas over the course of time. Some people will call these people, you know, the free thinkers or the people who think outside the box, right? So, you know, we've, we probably fall into that category. We've been looking into things for quite a while. And when we look at this stuff, we go, well, yeah, of course, right? Um, we can kind of see what's going on to some extent. We don't know the whole truth, but we're exploring. We're coming up with ideas where, you know, but because of the extremity of what's happening at this moment, now the people who sat on the fence of, yeah, I'm not really sure, you know, are now all of a sudden starting to tip towards, okay, there's something really weird going on. And then it gets more extreme, which then starts to get the people who never really question stuff to go, now I'm kind of on the fence, right? So what are you having? You're having, you have a collective, right? Who, who in essence, you could say two thirds of it that were either sitting on the fence or completely not in it at all who are now, it's shifting where you only have a very small percentage of people who are going to be saying, I, I believe every single thing that's coming out of the media, right? Small, small percentage. Now there's a huge percentage of people that are going, well, I'm not 100% sure. I'm trying to figure this out. And there keeps being more and more events that are making me think there might be something more to the story. And that's all people need right? Because now this group, right? And if people aren't seeing this visibly, I'm kind of just showing my hands at, at the size of the different groups. But now you have this group who's, you know, kind of been through this for the last 10 years, who've been awakening, who now play the role of helping the people who are starting to come into questioning this stuff. You now have people who are be, have become more wise, in their delivery as to how to bring, you know, other people into an understanding of, hey guys, we don't know all the answers, but things that we do know, 
is that the media is not quite going to tell you the truth. So let's explore this together and stop listening necessarily to what they're saying entirely. So it's kind of this big dance between people where the underlying goal is, guys, we got to wake up to the fact that we're living in an illusion. And that illusion is the acceptance of a story that we've been told is the truth when it never has been. And that illusion has informed how we live our lives, how we set up our limits, what we believe we are, what we believe our world needs to look like, what we believe society needs to look like. It, it informs our compliance with things that honestly and truly don't allow us to thrive as a human race. And now that is all being brought into question. And people now have the opportunity to ask, what the heck really are we doing? What is going on? And hopefully, and this is where I get excited, hopefully people start to say, what do we really want our world to look like now that we're realizing and breaking this illusion that it isn't what we thought it was? So we have no reason to keep all of our power and energy into this other one because, hey guys, it's not actually that. That's not actually the world we live in. We were, we were tricked, so to speak, right? But that all served in its own way. But now we come into empowerment and we say, what do we really want our world to look like? And the reason why I say from a 10,000 foot perspective, this is what it is, is because how else, everybody knows we're not living in a planet right now where humans are designed to thrive. We're living in a planet right now where people are convinced they just need to keep fighting tooth and nail to survive, right? Everything that we're living in is a man-made system. It's a man-made idea right? We all just created this together. We agree with it and we comply to continue playing with it. And so when you start to realize, hey, wait a minute, there's something we don't have to do, right? Beyond that, oh, okay. But here's the thing. If it was business as usual, right? Hillary Clinton say was the president, right? Uh, whatever. We'll go, we'll go there for a second. If it was business as usual. There was no lockdown. There was no coronavirus. There was no, uh, you know, taking away of what we call liberties and what we call freedoms and we call all these different things. Would, would, would you be able to walk up to somebody and say, hey, uh, you know, we really need to start talking about how we need to overhaul our entire system. And so people would be like, no, I, I'm kind of okay with everything. <laughs> but once there's all this doubt, there's all this, you see the fragile nature of our entire infrastructure, of our entire economy, of our food uh, systems and our supply chains working the way they are, people start to go, okay, well, maybe, maybe I'm willing to listen to some new ideas now that I realize that it, the other one is falling apart right? And that's exactly what this is at the end of the day. And within that, yes, we can, we can go a million different angles as to where did the virus actually come from? What's actually going on? Are we being lied to about, you know, this fact, that fact, you know, how do respirators play into this? You know, how did the ventilator, you know, well, we can go into all those different things, right? But you asked for the 10,000 foot view and, and that's the 10,000 foot view. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I love that, man, because it gives me hope and optimism. And uh, I agree because when, you know, in interviewing over 350 different people, talking to people around the world, what I've noticed that when people say something like, you know, my old life that I did not like, some people will say, you know, asleep or in the illusion, right? Some people work jobs they hate for many years, whatever it is. Um, I kind of say it's also creating life by default, like whatever your government is going to offer you, whatever your culture, your circumstances, your parents, um, whatever you kind of had access to and the government will allow, you're not really going to question that. You're going to go through and do all the things and just live that kind of life. Um, but when you, when you create life deliberately, and that's like 
you know, who am I? What are my values? What are my curiosities? Uh, who do I want to be? What do I want to explore? And so a lot of times, so many people were living their life uh, by default and not really questioning things and something terrible happened. Um, I've, I've interviewed doctors that had serious diseases happen to them. Um, so many people with these terrible experiences that made them rethink everything because like you said, it's not business as usual. And when you want to help somebody from just a psychological perspective, if everything is the same, if all their patterns are the same, like you can, you can drive the work and you won't even remember that drive. You can go through a whole day or a whole week sometimes and you won't even like have like that thought or like thinking you'd be like, whoa, where did that whole day go? Because you're on autopilot. That's what mm -hmm. happens when you're in this mental, spiritual, emotional, rut and you're just running a pattern man you're a cog in the wheel of your own life um, so everything needs to change you can't have those same surroundings around you uh, which is why if you're addicted to uh, alcohol or drugs you go to a rehab center because you're not around your same friends you're not waking up in the same bed you don't have those same things you have to change your environment and this is what's happening Mm -hmm. on a worldwide scale. And I love the idea of having an opportunity to look at everything, question everything, but ultimately work together. I see this polarization and, you know, coronavirus is the worst thing and you're killing people because you go outside. You know, that's a dangerous idea that I feel is being promoted. Um, but at the same time, on this side, can I say, how do I bridge the gap with that person and allow them to have that belief, but my own sovereignty at the same time? So we're not polarized. Like you're not my enemy. I don't have a problem with you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. But you might have one with me. Um, I can't, I can't really fix that, but you see, there's always this polarization. It's, and if you have that polarization, we're not working together. And That's what right. we need now more than anything is to work together. So, um, you know, do you want to comment on that or I'll ask you a question? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a, that's a great piece to it because it's like, you know, people, people like, you got to ask yourself the question, right? And this is the one of the things is like, you know, in the, uh, and I, I don't know what else to call it, so I'm just going to call it this, but like in the awakened community, in the, in the conspiracy community, whatever people love to call it, right? There's a lot of judgment. And, and people will say, oh, you know, I, I'm being judged. My friends make fun of me. Media makes fun of me. Da, 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 da. But they'll go, they'll turn around and, and I'm not not passing judgment on people. I'm observing what happens, right? They will turn around and they will judge everyone else who's not thinking the way they're thinking, right? So they'll see that there's a different uh, perception of what's going on in the world. They'll, they'll be awake to that, as we call it. But they're still in the emotional judgment of I'm here, you're there. And somehow I'm better, even if we don't use that word, for knowing this while you're still asleep and still a sheeple, right? And in that perspective, when we hold that perspective of I'm here and you're there, I need to wake you up. We create the entire, uh, I guess, relationship, you could say, of polarity that actually invites the person, invites somebody else to continue playing the role of being quote unquote asleep until you realize that they are you in another fashion, in another way, and that you actually, if you love yourself, you will love them regardless of whatever state you are in because they are you. And when you pull that polarity out, i.e. you're no longer judging them, it actually opens the door for them to no longer play the role 
of having to be the person who's quote unquote asleep, right? And I know this is a tough concept for a lot of people because they just want to think, why would you just want people to stay asleep? It's like, if we're looking for real freedom and real empowerment to make a real change, that means you have to be empowered beyond your judgments, beyond your egoic identities, beyond your you know, perspectives of other people, beyond other people being able to emotionally control your state of being, right? That's what true empowerment is. That's what being truly quote unquote awake as we like to call it, right? Just because we know that, you know, 9-11 didn't happen the way it did doesn't mean that you're awake per se, right? This is at least my perspective, my definition. Um, to me, it means, okay, you're seeing a different aspect of stuff, but, but who are you really? And how can you most effectively assist other people to see that as well? How can you do that? Because the reason why we need to do that is because if we want to create a change on this planet that's truly meaningful, i.e. we're not just swapping out, swapping out one president for another one because we think that's going to make a difference. But I'm talking about really rewiring, getting to the core of the challenges that we face on this planet and, the, and then tapping into the possibility that we truly have. In order to do that, it's like you said, we've got to shift our environment. We also got to shift the way we're wired up inside, the way we, the way we think, the way our consciousness functions, the way we relate to one another, the way we relate to ourselves. Just because you have a slightly different piece of information about a world event doesn't mean that your energy, your state of being, and your disconnection from others has changed, right? All, all it really means is that you have a different perspective of what's going on in the world. Whereas what, what, we like to focus on at CE as a whole is this idea of, yes, you might learn, you might wake up about some of the things that are going on in our world that aren't quite the way they are, but then that, that sort of, that inspires this idea, okay, what do we do now? So I realized my, you know, my world isn't quite what I thought it was, so what do I do? And this is one of the biggest questions, the biggest pain points that people will say, okay, great, I'm, I know that there's problems in the world, I know that there's corruption in politics, so now what, what do we do, right? And to answer the question, what do we do, is not just, okay, well, we'll go and say protest out in the street. Hey, you know, for some people that might be part of the journey. Uh, it's not just, hey, we'll go vote for this person. Although for some people that might be part of the journey. It's how do we actually change the way we think, relate, feel, and the decisions we make that got us into the current position that we're in now? How do we actually change the core of what got us there which is not just blaming quote unquote the deep state, but actually looking at how we comply with the deep state, right? And then say, well, if we change that inner story, we're now gonna be informed differently as to how we actually create our world and what we choose to, to actually comply with on a deeper level, right? And that is the journey of truly waking up to your empowerment, realizing how you can take your power away from one world, so to speak, and start putting it into another. And this is where people start coming together and saying, well, I don't need to wait for my government to tell me what the solution, what the answer is. I can, we can actually start making these shifts within ourselves, connecting and relating with each other. Because if we're, if we're identifying, right, like you said, if we're disagreeing on certain things all the time on everything, and we're always divided on who's right and who's wrong and who's this and who's that, then we're never going to be able to come together, right? And that's what social engineering is. Social engineering is find a way to get everybody to divide. It could be dividing them, and this happens all over the place right now, even within the awakened community in a big way. You first divide everybody by like their ideologies and beliefs and the small little differences they have about perspectives of what's going on. Then you go deeper and you start dividing them by their gender. You start making this big deal about how men and women are so different, 
right? And then you start going by the color of their skin. Oh, these people and these people, they're so different. And you can't relate and you can't understand me and you can't this and you can't that. Blah, blah, blah. And then so within gender, you divide people by their color of their skin, right? And then within that, you divide them by their so economic, socioeconomic class. And then within that, you divide them by who's the bigger victim. And the more you go down the chain, the more you start to realize everybody's divided based on some narrative of what they're choosing to be identified with based on their disempowered state of consciousness. And that's what's going on. And that's why you got to know yourself, right? I'm kind of going on a rant all over the place here, but that's sometimes what happens, right? <laughs> but the point is, is like, this is the social engineering. This is what goes on. This is what happens when we say spend too much time in just the information and not necessarily enough time getting to know ourselves getting to know the deeper, the silence, the deeper aspect of who we truly are, going beyond our identities of who we think we are and getting back into full potential of who we truly are, feeling that, experiencing that, understanding that from a knowledge perspective. Because when you lock that state of being in, i.e. you re-remember that, it starts to shift the way you see your reality and it starts to shift the way you interact with your reality. And all of a sudden you actually see, have power, feel inspired, have what you call hope, right? This idea that, yeah, we're going to make it through. I, I know we're going to make it through whatever this is, whatever, you know, the deep state's plan. I know that. How do I know that? Because I tap so deeply into the truth of where I see humanity headed that there is no option within my state of being that humanity ends up in fucking FEMA camps with bracelets on. That's not, that's not even sure. I could see how some people think that, how you could deduce that based on some of the world events, but I see it every single world event just awakens more people. It digs the grave of the deep state themselves. You know, not that it's us versus them, but it's deep down, right? What do you have? You have quantum physics. Quantum physics suggests that uh, everything's interconnected. You take it another step further and you say, okay, well, everybody's say a soul. Beyond your body, when you die, you, you go on and you're a soul and you're, or you're a consciousness. However, you people have different words and I'm trying not to get caught up in the words. It's just the basic idea. At the soul level, can you be evil? I, I don't feel that at all. I feel like that is, is brought up here. This idea that we make of evil and this, that, whatever is, is within the mind. It's the idea that we perceive things in a particular way. But if energy is all that it is in this reality, and it's all interconnected. It means that whatever we call different polarities and different, it's all one energy anyway. It's all one thing. So when these souls are in the bodies, right? And when you, if anybody's had a mystical experience, whether they've done psychedelics, whether they've done a deep meditation, whether they've had a crazy experience, been in a coma, whatever it might be, everybody says the exact same thing. Even if they were quote unquote, a bad person, right? They all say the same thing. I was infinite love. I was just beyond my body. I was just everything. I was just pure potential where I couldn't contain it. It was unbelievable, right? I had little different words here and there, but it's all the same basic understanding. So what does that tell you? It tells you that it's only the human aspect of ourselves, i.e. the mind, the ego, the programmed portion of ourselves that is actually creating all the differences and all the different little pieces of fight and divide and all these different things here and there, but that our true nature is not that at all. So is the deep state, quote unquote, the people, the cabal, however you want to look at it, the ones that are doing all the wrong things, are they actually evil? Or are they simply in their human form playing a role 
to help other people actually awaken to that which they've been asleep to this entire time. And perhaps that if humanity is in fact on an evolutionary journey of consciousness, someone has to play the role of the quote unquote bad guy to get everybody else to wake up. It has to happen. People aren't just gonna magic, like you know, there's a lot of this stuff like, oh, some event is gonna happen, some solar flash is gonna happen, some this, that. everybody's just gonna magically wake up. I don't think so. I've never felt that. I think there could be events that contribute to things like that. But for the most part, we're moving from becoming children in our state of being to moving up to becoming adults, taking responsibility, becoming empowered, going through this journey ourselves, which is one that you got to climb the whole mountain. You got to get there, right? Nothing's going to do it for us, which means someone's got to play the role of being that steep mountain hill. Well, you got to climb it and you got to find out and find it. But the closer to the top you get and the more of you that are there cheering each other on, that's when it's going to happen. That's where it goes. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is where we come together. And that's all it is, is getting back to that state of being where you realize that we're even everybody, every person, it's literally just a love connection that exists throughout the entire thing. And the role that they're playing is literally the perfect environment for people to wake up. That's all this is. That's all it is at the end of the day. That's my perspective. Goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> as I follow it, I was like, holy crap, okay. Well, when you're saying that, a lot of that I agree with, and it makes me come up with new questions and, and curiosities around your perspective. When you share all that, it, it reminds me of simulation uh, theory only in the sense of like, I can only experience my reality through my eyes. Uh, I've done a lot of work, as you know, uh, you know, looking at uh, altered states of consciousness, traveling the world, uh, peak performance, training with Shaolin monks, meditating with monks, seeing like, you know, how, can I be enlightened? Like, how do I have an enlightened state? What can I change my, re like, I used to think when I was younger, I become enlightened kind of like that solar flash. I'm like, I would escape the consciousness that I'm in to go to a better consciousness, you know, like a, mm -hmm. a Jesus Christ or something. And as I've gotten older, I don't know if that's possible. Could be. Um, I have experienced these states that you talked about uh, through meditation and, and various other um, ways and experiences that I, I had that experience. I was like, holy smokes, you know, you're kind of <laughs> one with one with the universe type of deal and it goes beyond uh, time and space and you feel it and it's, it's absolutely remarkable. It's a remarkable experience. And so on one side, I hear people saying, okay, well you create your reality, right? The more you focus on it, uh, law of attraction, the more you bring that into your life. When I look at the news and the media, it's basically all fake now. You know what I mean? Like, like everything, like I'm looking at a screen um, telling me what's going on, but I can just go outside and experience life. But it is giving me information. So I feel like it's, it's the middle way, understanding all this stuff. You could have your phone that could teach you how to build a house from scratch, or you could use it to play a game all day that just erodes your brain. The problem is our psychology is very easily tricked and manipulated, and we like that quick hit. We like that dopamine, and uh, we, we can kind of um, not use the tools at our disposal in a very effective way. So my question, and this is something that I'm curious about, when I look back at history, 
it's not so positive. You know, there are some good things, but we've had, you know, World War One, we've had World War Two, uh, not so long ago, black people didn't have rights. Uh, recently in Canada, we basically uh, did a genocide to the Native American people, which is still ongoing. And so I have one side of me that says, okay, I'm like, let's say I'm one of the Native American people or, or, or somebody in Germany, and I see this coming, and I'm thinking positively, and I'm, I'm who I am right now with what I know. And I have meditation and positive psychology and hope and all those different things. But also at the same time, some stuff's about to happen. What do you suggest or what do you feel about um, how to effectively move forward and navigate this in a sense of participation? Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of the stuff on the planet, like, a, you know, people talk about spiritual bypass now, right? Yeah. And they say, oh, well, you know what? It doesn't affect me, so I don't care about it. And I feel it's like that lack of compassion for our planetary brothers and sisters yeah. that allows this crap to continue. And we need to participate and engage in some way. I feel yeah. like if we, if we sit and we don't do some sort of action to help ourselves, to help our community, to help our world, um, the things that might not have our best interests in mind can continue to impose and enforce on others. And so I'm curious, uh, you know, what you feel about that and how we, we might move forward. Right. So essentially, you know, that does come up a lot. People will ask the question, you know, it's like, Oh, but if we have the perspective of, you know, what I just shared, um, does it, does it suddenly mean that like, we're going to sit back and wait and, and so on and so forth. And it's like, well, We've been sitting back and waiting for an extremely long time. If you actually look closely at the idea of, of a lot of the stuff that's being spread right now, there's, there's this savior narrative of, well, there's the good guys in the alliance that are currently in power, and this is what we keep being told. And if we just trust the plan, then we will, they'll, they'll, they'll restore America, then they'll restore the world. Well, what's that? That's sitting back and waiting in a lot of ways, right? And at the same time, yes, are people looking at that information and then sharing it with others? Sure, that's part of it too. Um, I, you know, people who have brought up to me in the past, hey, you know, uh, again, going back to the stuff that you share, you know, let it uh, being neutral and having these things, you know, it, there's not enough action in it. And I tell people all the time, it's like, look what I've built, right, with the, with the team that we have here. Look at the stuff that I've done. Look at the billions of lives we've touched over the course of our time, or it, probably hundreds of millions. Um, is that doing something? Is that changing their perspective? Is that getting them to make new choices? Is that getting them to connect to a deeper aspect of themselves? What does do, what does participate look like? What does that mean? How many layers of it are there? What, what is, what is it, how do we define it, right? This is what I'm sort of trying to get at, get at, is what are the ingredients involved in creating a change? What does that actually look like? And I've put together what, what I call like a formula, protocol, whatever it might be. It's not something that it's like, oh, you've got to follow this step by step. It's, it's, it's a concept of ingredients that is in, involved in creating any deep change that's truly meaningful, that truly makes a difference, that truly makes an impact. And if you study the science that goes along with supporting quantum physics, supporting how our neurological pathways actually create a different uh, biochemical state within our body if we choose to change them, such that we actually begin to tap into a new potential, a new state of being, a new self, and then go and create a new world through action. Because you got to ask the question, what informs your action? And what informs how you choose to take that action? You can build a house and be angry the entire time. You can build a house and be in a beautiful state of peace every time. 
which one is going to go up faster? Which one is going to go up with less mistakes? I mean, we don't know scientifically the answer to that, but just feel it out for yourself. First of all, what state would you rather be in when taking that action? And secondly, when you are in a state of peace and clarity, do you not see things more clearly and know how to take a more efficient path? Or does the anger perhaps get you narrow focused on stuff and miss what else is going on around you and how you might do things, make more mistakes? You know about sports, right? I've played tons of sports growing up. Sometimes when you're growing up, the coaches will tell you, because I played high level sports where, you know, everybody wants to win, right? And uh, they'll tell you, get under the skin of the best player. You know, if a pitcher is really rocking everybody right now, they try it. They want you to get, I played baseball, right? They want to get under his skin, you know, make them, make them lose. Why? Why do they want you to lose your emotional state? Why do they want you to lose your presence? Why do they want you to lose the control you have over your state of being? Because you're no longer clear. You no longer can perform at a high level. You no longer can see all of that, of what's going on around you, because in presence, you actually can understand what's going on and you will be aligned with the action that you are inspired to take to make a difference. So when people always ask, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? It's this idea that it, it, it makes you realize that even everybody, whether in a state of peace or in a state of anger, when they're all still asking that same question, it still shows that we're not necessarily in tune and asking ourselves the question, what do I actually want my world to look like? What do I actually want to create? We're instead looking at our world out there and saying, how can I still within that world the way it is, make it say a little bit better or fight it? How can I fight something that's going on, right? So for example, if you saw, right, if you saw someone that was say getting beat up and you were the only one around and you knew that, hey, I could go and I could help that situation. Um, if you were in a state of peace versus a state of anger, would that change the fact that you go up? Like you're not going to look at that from a state of peace and say, oh, well, yeah, that person's getting their ass kicked and walk away. Because even people who are not in a state of peace, guess what? They turn a blind eye and walk away. Even law enforcement does that. And they're not in a state of peace. So where's this idea come from? That when we're clear within ourselves, per se, that we suddenly won't act, we suddenly won't do things. It comes from the fact that we certainly don't act and we certainly don't do things in our current state of being of what we know now. What we know now is that we don't even take action most of the time to truly and deeply unite and change things because we don't know how because we're not truly empowered. We're stuck on this idea that we have to fight with our world, right? So... What, what my thing is, and what I like to share, and this is certainly, I'm not the only one who has this message. There's tons of people out there who have this message. And it's the idea that how to move forward is most deeply informed when you take action on something. I went down to Standing Rock to cover what was going on. Why did I drive 18 to 20 hours down to Standing Rock to, to, to do whatever I could when I showed up? I didn't know what it was going to look like. I didn't know what was going to happen. But we went down there. Why did I go do that if I'm just in a state of neutrality where I don't care about what goes on? Because the state of neutrality informed me that, hey, your peace, your presence, and what you can bring to the table, the perspectives while you're down there, will be serving. So go. And I go. Right? And if you're the type of person where you're in a position where you're a lawyer and you're in a state of peace and all of a sudden you realize, hey, Julian Assange, per se, or some other journalist, whoever, who's being... Uh, you know, um, 
let's say wrongfully accused or you know projected in a particular light and you feel inspired you go hey you know what what they're doing that doesn't that doesn't make sense to my being i don't have to be angry and fucking throw shit around and go bonkers right i look at it and i go i'm inspired to go and help this guy in whatever way i can pro bono whatever it may be and what's that going to do that's going to show a story to people that says hey this isn't what if some other lawyer or if nobody showed up to, to be a legal service for him, you know, we never would have learned about this. We never would have saw this. We never would have understood this. Right. But if you're inspired and you go and you do that, and when you're in a state of being, when you're aligned, when you're clear, guess what? You will gain access to infinite potential as to how to fight that case or how to go at that case, however you want to look at it in the most effective way possible. Right basketball players, football players, baseball players, hockey players, everybody at the elite level, what do they talk about? Flow state. They talk about being in a position where you are in tune with everything and you play at your highest performance. They're all taking action, right? So action, the most effective action, the most aligned action, the most inspired action is informed most clearly from a state of being that shifts our consciousness away from just doing it in the way we always would have to doing it in a way that's going to help shift it because our vision is not on I need to fight. Our vision is we can create a world where we can truly thrive. How do we get there? And this is why I say to people, what do you want your world to look like? Ask yourself that question. See what it looks like. See what it feels like. Get in tune with it. Know that it's possible. Most people who are fighting the system as it is don't actually know what they would want the world to look like after the fight's gone, right? And I say this to people who are following the, the Q narrative aggressively right now too. I say, so let's say there is an alliance. And to be honest, it's at this moment in time, with the information that's available publicly, it is truthfully impossible to say whether it's real, not real, whether they're working for the best of humanity or not. It's impossible. So people trying to prove it, it it's not going to happen, right? At this moment with the facts that are available. So what is that, where does that leave you when you're in that position? You go, okay, let's say it is real and they're going to restore America. What, is, what does America look like? after they're done taking out the, the deep state and the pedophiles. What does it look like? Who's going to tell you what you're going to do on a daily basis? Who's going to tell you what job to have or to, what job to choose? How, how's your food going to come to you per se, right? Has, is it just going to be the same old systems, but maybe a little bit more fair? Maybe you don't have to pay as much in taxes. What does the world look like after the Alliance wins? Nobody knows because nobody's even asking themselves the question, what do I want it to look like? We're not here to wait for someone else, some other group to quote unquote, take over power and inform us as to how our world is going to be. That is the old narrative. That is the old idea of us sitting back, taking no action and waiting for a savior and a government or some alliance to tell us what our world is going to look like, right? When people say they're an activist, right? What does that look like? What does that mean? Sometimes we're out there, we're researching, we're sharing ideas, we're taking action to plant things and do things and so forth. And that's fantastic. How else can we reimagine, recreate, and really stretch our limits as to what our world can look like? And then get in tune with putting our energy into how can we create that? How can we explore that? 
how can we actually come together and find solutions or find, or we realize that the solutions are already there. The reality is we just have to change the way our thinking functions. We'll be like, oh, we got we to take all this action on building new devices and building, you know, installing wind farms and installing solar farms. Like, I've seen the technologies. I've, I've witnessed them in front of my own eyes. Wind and solar is a joke. It's an absolute joke of a technology. The technologies we have that will not come in to our current society are, are unbelievable. And the reason why they won't come into our current society is not because the deep state is suppressing it all. Sure, that's part of it. But it's because humanity is not ready here and in here for a society that's truly connected in community, working together, where energy is free for everybody. Because we're still in a position where we want to compete, where we want to fight, where we want to take care of just my family, where I got to prioritize my family over everybody else because that's the story we have. That's what we've been conditioned to think. And so if these technologies were to come in, somebody would take it, harness it, and say, I'm charging people for it, right? And these technologies are not part of a reality of in our current story. They're part of a reality when enough of us have continued to make this shift in the way we think, in the way we act, in the way we be, which will then inform how we share and, and inspire others to do that which will then inform how we stop doing these actions that are harming people, which will then inform how we bring about these technologies and create a society. It all starts within and it extends outwards from there, right? You don't, the, the, the reality is, is you don't have to be angry to take action. It's that simple. And I'm living proof of that. And if I'm living proof of that, everybody can do it, right? Bro, that was amazing, dude. I, I enjoyed every moment of that. And I absolutely agree with what you're saying because, uh, you know, I grew up a martial artist and studied that. And, and some of the basic principles are the development of mind, body, and spirit. And one of the things you learn in martial arts is you're going to get hit. You're going to be in conflict. Mm -hmm. And um, if you want to perform at your best or stay alive, like, you know, the old samurai masters would be fighting literally for life or death or at war situation or something like that. Navy SEALs, that type of training, you need a clear mind. And mm -hmm. when you were in fear, the brain releases chemicals, you know, adrenaline, epinephrine, things like that. And it limits pattern recognition. And so that limits choices, that limits your ability to see clearly. And when we go home and we're constantly in fear, um, even before the coronavirus, people are living in constant fear and stress, waking up, doing their job, going about their business. They can't open up and imagine new ideas because they're in a perpetual, consistent uh, space of fear and stress and we are all experiencing a master class right now on you know what have we done to develop ourselves you know are you afraid or well, i'm not afraid personally because i have a strong immune system um everything that i'm looking out there doesn't look like it's going to affect me they try to say oh well you know it's going to get my dad um you know so i can be mindful of that but uh you know i've looked into things uh, i don't know if i'm buying it all the way but you know okay i'll be mindful of my dad but for my own uh being definitely not afraid because I know I've taken care of myself. I trust in my body. I trust in myself. And I think the most important thing that you shared is just that clarity of mind to make a decision. Because if you're doing it out of the honest expression of who you are, um, always, I've seen it in my life, 100% of the time is if you are being honest with who you are, um, whatever that expression 
is going to be, will be of benefit to other people. Um, I use the example that, you know, when you're a young kid, you might go to the bar and someone will say, hey, you're a loser. So you fight that person. And then you kind of grow up a little bit. They call you a loser and it makes you angry, but then you don't fight them, right? But you're still angry. You're angry at that person. Then eventually the person calls you a loser and calls you all kinds of names. And uh, you just think to yourself, like, I wonder what happened to that guy today. I wonder, you know, maybe something bad happened. I say, you know, can I buy you a beer or give you a hug or, you know, um, you know, what's, and you don't have that emotional state anymore because you're not identifying with this external thing throwing crap at you. And so if you are somebody who works in emergency situations, if you're a highly trained athlete, Navy SEAL, things like that, you are trained to navigate chaos in a very clear and empowered state of being. We don't have that training as a society right now as this chaos is happening and people are freaking out and (laughs) you and rightly so it's, it's, uh, it's scary times. And I like what you said about reflecting on, you know, what is the world that we would want to see happen? You know, I love Burning Man. It's tons of fun. I'm sure being in the collective evolution space, some people will say, oh, it's a this and that. I don't know. I've always had great times there. <laughs> but it's, a, it's a ton of fun. And um, you just ask people, like, how are you outside of Burning Man, right? Because immediately it's such a wild environment. It takes any kind of like, you know, safety or familiarity is gone. It's all chaos. And uh, you just like, how are you outside of this? And most people are like, you know, I don't really like my life outside of this. I wish it was something else. And I go, well, what do you want it to be? Yeah. You know, and why isn't it that? And they're like, I've never thought of that. And I, that is such a shocking idea to me that mm-hmm. how few people have never thought about what it is that they would want to do if they didn't have to worry about money or things like that. And when I coach people and go through the processes and try to help and similar to your courses is asking very simple questions. And a lot of time you don't need a lot of money for it. You know, I know that in your personal journey, you start with collective evolution for with nothing, you know, you get a little bit, you're like, yeah, I get a little bit. And then boom, you know, Oh, government's taking it or YouTube is taking it. Oh shoot. What am I going to do now? Um, but you're constantly, um, honoring who you are, what your values are and what you want to put forward. And it's a challenging thing to do, I think in this world. And now we're, we're kind of being forced now to be better versions of ourselves, to extend our compassion, to reflect on who we are and what it is that we want, because on a planetary scale, it doesn't take a lot of investigation to say, we're not doing a great job. Um, I had uh, Clifford Mahuti and David Lombear on, two Native American elders. And, you know, Clifford Mahuti was just talking about the values that he was taught as a kid. You know, the, these basic spiritual principles from studying Zuni and Hopi uh, uh, traditional spirituality and other traditions. And he talked about respect for the land. Are we respecting the land? Not really. You know, respect for our brothers and sisters. Are we respecting our brothers and sisters? Not really. Are we respecting our elders? You know, not really. We're putting them in homes. And um, so it's like our values as a society are inverse. And we need to um, really reflect on those and build new systems moving forward. And nothing is giving us a better opportunity than what we're viewing now to do that, to really rebuild it, to pause, to reset, to work together, because we do not require the government to tell us to collaborate, especially on a planetary scale. I love the idea of the concept of Team Earth. What if Team USA and Team China, Team Canada, Team Korea, all the scientists, all the engineers, all those different people, they don't need the government to say, hey, um, 
you know, you can collaborate with each other. The challenge is it takes away your livelihood and your certainty. And that's why a lot of doctors aren't speaking up about what's going on now because they're all in, you know, in this kind of, we're getting back into the, some of the things that restrain us. But I know a doctor speaking out, he lost his job immediately. Um, nurses are speaking out, uh, losing their jobs. They're being threatened. I had weird stuff happen to me when I was working on the uh, organ harvesting in, in, um, to bring awareness to organ harvesting the Falun Dafa in China. My buddy and I, our phones got tapped immediately and it was a very strange experience and it was also frightening. So there's, reasons why people might be resistant but i feel like we're at a time now where our courage is a requirement you know who do you want to be and it doesn't mean it doesn't need to be anything crazy like you know going to war it, it's required for you to know yourself to understand the difference between right and wrong uh to extend your compassion and your um even tolerance to other people uh, to that non-judgment, they might be afraid that person might have lost their house. They might be going nuts in the grocery store right now. They're telling you to wear a face mask because they think you're killing everybody um, in the world. And 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 you know, so, so rather than judging them, you you honor whatever they're experiencing. And when you are that example, they get to see it. And right. in the spiritual world or conscious world or whatever, I think we're always evolving our own way of being because we can only see our, through our own lenses, anyways. And so. It's just hard to measure sometimes because I like to use an example like if the whole world is 300 pounds and they're obese and they have terrible diets and they look really sickly and that's the way that the world is operating. If you are just in shape, you know, if you're just in shape and you're just, you know, your body looks fine and you're kind of kind, they're looking at that as, as an upgraded model. So when someone's spewing anger and judgment and all of this stuff, if you can resist to spew it back and just send a little bit of compassion back or listening or understanding, they're going to view a different behavior, a different vibration and a different way of being that it's going to send that signature. And so if you are on the side of really trying to better yourself and, and use this as an opportunity to transform yourself and the planet, that's going to be a requirement. And in alchemy, that's what they'll talk about. It's like lead to gold is one thing, but really it's the alchemy of the emotions. Just like when I was a younger kid, maybe somebody calls me a bearded dummy. You know, <laughs> you called me a cue ball before we started. And I say, oh, you know, Joe called me a cue ball. I punch him because yeah. I feel a certain way about it. But rather than that, I kind of, you know, alchemize that emotion and, and use it for a different uh, experience. And so with that rant, um, what I wanted to ask is, you know, you shared something with me. I thought that was so interesting because, and you know what? Also too, like this shit is dark, man. You know, when you go into this stuff, you can't imagine how dark this shit is. Uh, my uh, girlfriend partner, you know, she was looking at some of this. She watched uh, Out of Shadow with me. She, she wasn't familiar with pedophiles. She wasn't familiar with how like all of this stuff works. And she's like, holy sweet Lord, that's a lot to handle. It can kind of cripple any sane person. And there's a ton of evidence to say this is actually going on and it needs to stop. Um, you know, working on human trafficking, things like that. So there's definitely real awful darkness out there. And if people are looking up documentaries, I'll just throw a few out there like Century of Self. I love, um, you know, Follow Cabal is interesting. I don't believe all of it, but there's a lot of stuff in there that is very well documented that you can find in any documentary and anything you look. What I, what I do is I have the documentary up and then I have another window up sourcing all this stuff, seeing what I can vet. So I have a clear mind. And if two or three documentaries later, they're saying the same thing and it's all vetted, that's going to have more weight of proof. 
towards, right. oh, this is, this is actually reasonable that there's a lot of evidence there. And I had uh, Tom Campbell on. He's a physicist, on one of the leading ones on simulation theory. And he just talked about all of this stuff. I was like, how do you navigate all the craziness and figure out fact from fiction? And one of the things he said is like, you might believe things more and more as they go, you know, 10%, 20, 30, 40. So don't just believe stuff. But we also don't have the fourth estate. Journalism used to be the fourth estate. That's how he shared it. And so we're kind of required to be our own investigators right now. And uh, it's, there's a lot going on. So what I wanted to ask you is a couple questions. Number one, I love how you shared of this mafia game and going mm. beyond the narrative that they supply. I thought, I thought that was brilliant. So sharing that would be interesting. And then also your own tools for how do I navigate like, holy crap, we're, we're in a little bit of a heightened situation, right? It's not like we're in green and I can just go do my podcast and skateboard. There's a bit more of a, a crisis scenario happening that I want to keep my eyes out for. How can we navigate looking at this information, maintaining, uh, maintaining a, a level of peace as we kind of navigate through that? How do, you, how do you source your material and navigate trying to figure all this kind of stuff out, help other people, but uh, stay calm as you do it? For sure. Yeah. So, um, first of all, Out of the Shadows, fantastic documentary. Um, and yeah, when you learn a lot of the stuff that is going on behind the scenes, which again is a huge part of what humanity is opening up to is, is what aspects are part of the human story, the current, current human paradigm that we always wanted to turn a blind eye to. Um, and if you really look closely at what the, quote unquote, you know, the pedophilia, the, the, the Satanism, the rituals and so forth, which is all stuff that's very real. Uh, it does happen. You know, uh, this is not something that's just like a conspiracy. There's a ton of information. There's a ton of witnesses. There's a ton of evidence for this stuff when you look for it and when you really, when it's put together properly and so forth. Um, and, and when you start to realize that it is connected to a ton, not all, not every high profile politician, not every congressman, not every, you know, big Hollywood figure, but a, a chunk of them, you know, a good chunk of the power structure is connected to this stuff. Does it not make you think, wait a minute, if the power structure is involved in this stuff, why are we supporting the power structure? Because we don't want to see this stuff continue, right? If they're engaging in this stuff, and we're voting them into power, are we not a part of this stuff happening? So I better not partake in voting them back into power if that's what they're up to. You know what I'm saying? It makes you realize, wait a minute, where is my power? How am I contributing in a way I didn't realize before, but I'm starting to realize now? How am I contributing to this, right? It's all part of the human story. It takes a collective to create all this stuff, which goes back to the idea of, do we individually create our own reality? To some extent. But for the most part, we're here on a planet with 7 billion other souls because we actually co-create our reality on a deep way. And uh, before we get a little bit too deep into that, let's go back to the mafia thing for a second. Um, this theory sort of I started to put together probably around 2017 and then it built from there. More evidence kind of came forward that I said, hey, does it, does it actually continue to support this idea? And I was like, well, it does. It does. It does. And it started to feel more intuitively, intuitively uh, correct over time. And, and I don't know. I'm going to share it. This is, this is how it goes. But essentially, um, I did not expect Donald Trump to become the president of the United States. Um, and that's primarily because he is a political outsider, meaning he did not, you know, come up in his career through politics, right? 
historically that doesn't really happen. Um, you usually have very well groomed and well primed, right? And if you're if you understand really how the world functions and what's going on, you've really been looking into this for a while, you really understand how they groom politicians and how they're selected, not elected. Um, if you really look at the magician's choice that is voting, um, you, you, you never really are voting uh, for a president. You're, you're voting to cast your, they're trying to gauge hmm, what is, who would the public really accept as president? What do we have to do to sway the public enough so that we can pick you know, sort of who we want. And when I say we, I mean, really look at what happens. You have this thing called the Electoral College, right? This is the last step after a whole bunch of steps where they weed people out of the conversation. Well, how do they weed them out? They use the media, they use primaries, they use a whole bunch of different little actions that are all dirty to shift public perception so that when they oust a candidate, people are like, yeah, I can see why they ousted them. They're a socialist. You know, uh, there's a lot of psychological, you know, tactics that go into narrowing down to the two people, which becomes, you know, the dictatorship, so to speak. But really, they're just the puppet for the shadow government that actually makes the decisions, right? Um, but when you look at what's going on, you've always had this, what looked like this powerful group of people behind the scenes that have carried out the manipulation of Congress, the manipulation of a president uh, that control the presidents, that control psychological warfare, they own the media and this, that, and so forth. These are the people that stay outside the public eye, right? even out of the shadows, I think talked about this a little bit. They're outside of the public eye in that you don't elect them, but they have all the power. And they run the biggest institutions or are connected to the biggest institutions that help carry out all of how society functions. So these people are really, the power, uh, power uh, holders, quote unquote, or we give our power to them, um, regardless of who's present. Like any mafia, uh, if you were to look at the mafia in, in New York, right, you have a bunch of families that are all sort of fighting for turf and they're respecting turf and they're, you have your businesses over here. Okay, fine. You know, you can have these garbage routes over here and we'll take these garbage routes over here. You take that uh, drug trade over there and we take this and everybody kind of agrees and they play along and every, every now and then, you know, when one family gets too powerful, the other families start to go, well, maybe we can go to war with these guys and try and take over some of their power, take over some of their roots. You know, we'll knock out the boss. We'll get everybody else to convert over to us and blah, 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 blah. You have these wars, right? Because what happens within human consciousness, right? People have this story of separation and disconnection and this lust to some extent, not everybody, but a lot of people for, the, for, for having power, for having control over our reality. Well, what we share as wanting those things as, as a society is also the same consciousness that operates in the upper echelons of society. So what happens? You have this, this deep state that when, 26, when 2016 election uh, cycle happened there, it was kind of like, well, hold on a second, there appears to be this struggle of power. Trump is actually gaining popularity. He clearly has people within the intelligence community helping him. He has some extremely powerful donors and people working with him and, and whoever it is the group behind him. Yet at the same time, the mainstream media, other very powerful people are doing everything in their power to go against him. 
Well, that doesn't line up to what we've seen for a really long period of time about how the deep state functions. It just doesn't line up. So you have to start asking the questions, what's going on? And after all the questions, all the research and doing all the stuff that we had done over the course of time, I started to come to this idea that there appears to be a pretty big divide going on within the power structure, what we call the deep state, the cabal or whatever. I don't know if there's one, two, three, four, five, six, bam, I don't know. But what I do know is that they're warring with each other. There's a disagreement going on. Something is happening. There is a changing of the guard. There is perhaps families that are dividing and that are now trying to overthrow other families. I don't know what that looks like entirely, but it, it clearly is happening. There's a documentary on Netflix called The Family. And what it dis discusses is a particular group, and it sort of is led by this one guy. I forget the name off the top of my head. But they talk about how this one guy has been so influential in manipulating congressmen on both the left and the right side of politics, um, world leaders around the world. Like this guy is going to inform how a world leader should make a decision. And he's like lobbying with them. And he's like, well, so here's an unelected guy who runs what they call a family, which literally has like an initiation process, a vetting process, all this before people become part of the family. And they very clearly sort of make this story that this is just one sort of family and that there are others, even though they don't really talk about them too much. So you think to yourself, if this family is very reminiscent of a shadow government, right? They're controlling government from behind the scenes. This unelected guy has connections to all these people and he's, he's telling people things and then you're seeing the world event happen later. So this guy has power. All of a sudden you start to realize there probably are families within the deep state that work together, but also could go to war. And so as I started to look and I started to put this together, I started to realize, well, hold on a second. What happens if the old guard, so to speak, who would have put Hillary Clinton in power, actually lost enough um, political power, enough electoral college power such that the people sort of flipped and went to this other family. And the electoral college vote didn't quite go the way Hillary Clinton and the crew expected, which is why Hillary lost her mind, right? And went MIA for four or five days because it was, you're seeing the fall down of something that they always had in the bag all the time over and over and over and over again. So now all of a sudden there's a shift in power. Now the question becomes different mafia family, are they doing the right thing for humanity, quote unquote, the right thing? Or are they doing the wrong thing? Are they going to create a better future for humanity? Or is it going to kind of be a different agenda? Maybe not the best thing, but just a different agenda. Either way, it's a shakeup. We're seeing through what happened, the fact that there's now wars going on at these high political levels. The extremes and the chaos of what we've seen in media, current events, global events, like the extremes are huge. People are disagreeing everywhere. The more disagreement there is, the more emotions get high, the more mistakes are made. The more people start to not cover their tracks properly, which ultimately makes the more truth come to the surface, right? And this is why we're seeing such a massive unveiling of truth because nobody can keep hold of the narrative anymore. It's just completely falling apart. Now, there's this ongoing narrative that Trump and that family, so quote unquote, represents an alliance that's coming together to overthrow the deep state, clean the swamp, and you know, sort of go from there. Like I said, it's really hard to prove whether that's actually true. But regardless of whether it's true, 
i.e. it doesn't really matter. What we're seeing is a shakeup. What we're seeing is a change. What we're seeing is a catalyst. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we have to be empowered. We have to take our own power here, like actually realize it. Otherwise, if this quote-unquote alliance is actually doing what they're doing, you have to ask yourself the question, does Trump, what they're doing, the people he might be connected to, do they really represent that wise, sage type individual that's going to create a beautiful reality that deep down within our hearts we truly know is the possibility we have for humanity? Probably not. You know what I'm saying? Like there's still going to be these manipulated economies. There's still going to be powerful people doing and pulling strings and doing what they want to do. It just may not be quite as dystopian as the other family might have made it, right? And so we have to ask ourselves the question, regardless of the narrative, are we empowered? If we just sit back and believe that that is the story and that we're going to wait for them to do it, are we empowered or are we still just waiting around? Are we still just putting our trust in something else? Which again, is that age old savior narrative that we've always heard through religion, that we always see in the movies, that we always see in popular culture, right? Someone will come to save the day because you can't be powerful. You can't possibly be powerful as an individual. And that's the thing that they're scared of most. When I say they scared of most, I'm talking about the people who own and control so much of what goes on in our society and creates perception, they're afraid of a truly, deeply, consciously empowered humanity. Not a just, hey, they have information. That's a piece to the puzzle. But are they truly empowered within themselves, right? Like there's a, there's a thing that happened recently. I, I, I can't remember whether it was a clip I saw or something to the effect of there's this powerful individual that uh, I think it was uh, even uh, uh, Governor uh, Cuomo in New York said something to the effect, and he slipped up and said, um, you know, people don't actually have to follow any of our orders because they actually, that we actually have no power over them. If you have nine to 10, you know, 12 million people decide not to follow our orders, what are we supposed to do? How are they going to, they don't have enough police. They don't have enough military. They don't have enough to control nine, 10, 12 million people. Humanity doesn't have to follow anything that's put forth by, by these people. But we choose to. We choose to comply. And I'm not saying we need to violently choose to not comply. I'm saying understand how we're giving away our power and whether we want to choose a different path, right? So that's kind of the, that's kind of the mafia piece a little bit of what I kind of see happening. And the ultimate sort of, of takeaway that I like to share with that is even if we're seeing a shift in power, it doesn't necessarily mean the good guys versus the bad guys. It could just mean a shift in power. And if it's not really going to create the world deep within ourselves, if you don't feel that the vision that, you know, Trump and this alliance has for humanity is the vision you truly know is possible, then allow it to be what it is, which is just a different, it's a shakeup in what would have been business as usual. And allow that to just be the thing that becomes a catalyst that opens people up. But still, we got to go back to what do we want our world to look like? How can we become peaceful and connected within ourselves? How can we use that to create a new reality? How can we organize that into power, right? And when I say power, I mean not power over others, but power in the sense of where we are truly empowered, right? Did, did the whole idea of cryptocurrency, right, which now is like globally known as this possibility, did that start because the government said, hey, we have this new idea, or did a bunch of people come together, create it, it built popularity over time, 
world events happened that said, hey, maybe this thing does make sense to think about. Over the course, people created that infrastructure, like i.e. non-deep non state people. And it got huge. And sure, yeah, there, it's likely the case that it's sort of being manipulated. Its price is controlled now by the relationship it has to the dollar and the emotional connection that people have to how that functions. And they may be controlling the way the price is. But that's only because it's still emotional control, right? But my point is, is that people built that infrastructure, didn't wait for government to do it. We can do that with anything. But we got to come together. We got to be able to envision a new reality, a new future. And how do we do that? How do we, what are the actual possibilities, the tools, the ways of doing that? How do we stay centered within that? Again, it goes back to knowing yourself. Like um, there's, there's a course that I'm working on right now, you know, and kind of one of the pieces to the table that I'm contributing that's a little different from some of the other stuff that goes out there is as we are focusing on creating our reality, getting into states of being, states of consciousness, which actually rewires our brain, which rewires our physiology, which changes the way we see, which taps into different energetic potentials, which makes us act differently. As we do that, are we doing that solely for our own individual vision? I want, the, I want say, this job, uh, a house that looks like this, my wife and kids to look like this, or whatever, my husband, whatever it might be. Or have we stretched it beyond and started saying, with all that, here's what I want the world to look like, what I want it to feel like, how I want community to be, how I see food and transportation and all of these different ideas forming, how we can really, so where in our own individual meditations and visions are we including the collective, what the world looks like? Most of us aren't. In fact, I would bet that the majority of people who do these abundance meditations don't ever friggin' touch the idea of what the collective reality looks like. So you gotta ask the question, how much focused, pure potential energy are we as an individual putting into creating a collective reality that is different than what we have today versus the amount of energy that we are putting into with our potential into just creating my life? And that's the shift. That's moving from the individual consciousness to the oneness consciousness connecting to everybody else. And when we start to do that, when we start to realize that and empower that, that's why I cry. That right there is why I get emotional because that is the shift, right? That's the, that's the difference humanity is waiting for. Enough of this individual, it's just my life, it's just my thing. We want community, we crave community. You look back at humanity's history years and years and years and years prior, what do you see? You see that we cooperated a lot more, right? Greg Braden has a ton of incredible research that rewrites the human story of our past, which tells us that we're not violent creatures. We're not these creatures of divide and all these different things that we've learned to accept today and we've defined ourselves by. That's not who we are. That's just the conditioning in a program. So it's time to come together. That's the shift we're looking for. So to do that, various forms of meditation, right? Get, how much time do you spend getting into the state of being within yourself? How much time do you spend actually envisioning a reality that sees and puts energy and puts potential into a completely different future for humanity that comes from your heart and not just your mind's idea of what you think humanity is capable of. How much time are we spending stretching beyond that reality, right? Watch the movie, The Matrix, and really look at how that movie 
puts all these different little pieces into the puzzle that stretches Neo's perception of what he thinks a human is into complete and individual potential. And then how that journey is about, you know, they do throw in the savior narrative as in Neo is that, but, but look at how it's about now changing the whole reality of the matrix, not just, okay, Neo's the one, he's going to become the best karate guy and that's it. You know what I'm saying? It's about, no, we, it's Zion. It's the whole thing. We can, we can make it so that humanity is not a battery for the elite. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's the message right there. <laughs> Dude, that was amazing. I listened to you rant all day. You, <laughs> you, you touched on so many important topics that I absolutely agree with. Um, and you, you phrased them and, and um, shared them so wonderfully. So I don't need to even go back on each point um, to, to address each one. But the one that I'd like to just kind of talk a little bit more on is the idea of including all of humanity in your own personal vision. I think that that is so fundamental and paramount and being in this space and observing the world and, and, you know, the awakened community or spiritual community or whatever you want to call it. Uh, people are just trying to get out of their own heads. One of the things I think when I look at someone who I think is truly like awakened or, or, you know, living a life of values, however you want to kind of call that they're making an impact. Um, they have two characteristics. They have more, but two of the fundamental ones are they take a hundred percent responsibility for their life and everything in it. If you don't take responsibility for who you are, for what you have, for how you behave for every single thing, you're going to be disempowered. Even if you had an accident and, and it changed your circumstance, if you can't take responsibility for the way your life is and, and what's happening, you're going to be a victim to that. And I think a lot of us are a victim to these external circumstances. Um, I was going to do a video once and I should still do one about how like, you know, we've been, we're like, we've, we've become too soft. Life has become so easy that, uh, you know, it's almost like Wally where we're in the sky and we're getting carried around to our food and, you know, it's just being brought <laughs> to us. You know, we've kind of lost that, like that connection and grit in a way and given our power away to different systems and different things where we're not really exploring the limits of our capabilities. The second idea, that, and, and what the heck are those limits of capabilities when we work together? Um, I th I'm pr I don't, I'd have to find it to make sure you can fact check this if you want. It could just be an analogy. I don't know. But I heard that when you do tug of war um, as an individual, 10 individuals, and you measure that force is one thing. But when you do it as a group, the force is significantly higher, like 30% or something. And uh, again, I don't know if that's true, but I like, I hope it is anyway. And I like the idea, even if it's not. Um, but the idea is we're, we're so much more capable when we work together. And so one of those other characteristics that I've kind of witnessed is people get out of, um, you know, it's like, not what, what can I get is what can I give? How can I help? And then that's their kind of mode. And you see people in the world who operate like that and they seem to have more peace not that life is any easier it's a lot of the times it's more challenging uh but they they have a little bit more peace a little bit more happiness a little bit more purpose a little bit more fulfillment a little bit more life they're more alive you know a lot of people will go to a job that they hate like how do you feel do you feel alive there do you know that within you, you have the ability to change it. And when you do change it, you change that way of life, you actually help your friends, your families, your neighbors, your community, because they're seeing a new way that it's possible to operate in the world. 
And when you're doing that, it's automatically collaborative because it's uncertain, right? Certainty is like the government job with the government paycheck doing or insurance or however Jim Carrey shares it, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not to judge it. It's just that maybe that's not the most inspiring choice for you. But if you like that choice and you're happy with it, no problem. Um, but it's also not a, an environment that forces you to see what you're capable of and to work with other people building new models, right? And I think that what we're observing here on a, on a scale we've never seen before is that, hey, we're looking at all of humanity now. Everybody is apparently in this. We're looking at our systems. We're looking at our government and questioning what is the function of this thing. We're questioning our bodies and our capabilities to heal, hopefully some of us anyway. Um, and so when we tear it all down, we are given the greatest opportunity to build it up from something new based on values, on integrity, on truth, and on collaboration. And I, and I think that so many people, especially, you know, just when I work one-on-one -on -one with people, I, I always think like, you know, why do people sell themselves short for what they're capable of? You know, mm -hmm. I, I find it a very fascinating thing that we're not really exploring even a, a part of our potential. And what is that potential planetary-wide, uh, you know, as, as a human species? I like yeah. to kind of give out the thought experiment of like, if they're ETs out there uh, watching us, you know, and they have like the ET Olympics, you know, all these different races of civilizations, they're not going to invite us to play just because we are violent a-holes and we are not nice to each other. And so it's like, I'm not going to invite that group. Like they are risky, you know, they got a lot of growing up to do. And if you look at humanity as a, as a culture, we have a lot of growing up to do and we can do that, but it, it's got to, it's got to start individually with that example and looking to extend that compassion to our brothers and our sisters across the planet and allow people to have different beliefs, different views, different ways of being, different language, different interests, all of that stuff. And, and to still be able to do it anyway, because you, you spoke about earlier, the divide and conquer is the number one way to separate us and divide us. And then you have these different beliefs and then we need to become an enemy and that's all nonsense. Um, and so, the opportunity that we have here is enormous. It's, it's unprecedented. Um, yes, it's a little bit frightening, but I know that humanity, even small groups of people, even if it's three of your friends, the power of three people is incredible. The power of five, you know, that's how whole movements are started. You know, look at you, you were one guy and then you probably had a, a couple, you know, people that you hired or got to help and you've made this massive impact of influence, this massive sphere of influence through an intention, through a body of work. And I'm thinking about Gregor's, and I'm not going to go there, but I know you know what they are. <laughs> and, you know, it's a good one. It's like, hey, you know, this is the Gregor of truth and empowerment. And so, you know, if you're going to do, a, I was thinking about this too, like coronavirus, if you're going to hashtag coronavirus, which I was doing because I was doing a lot of information, just put world peace on there too. We need to start thinking about what that planet looks like. Because as I said before, I find it shocking how people don't even imagine their own free life, then yeah. alone, they're definitely not going to that next step for humanity. And it starts in the imagination realm. That's where everything starts. We can imagine it, then we can do something, imagine it and then do something. And the more of us that do it, um, you know, I think even if a small percentage wanted to play that game, we can make a massive impact very quickly. My friend, yeah. I could talk to you for 24 hours straight and just literally <laughs> listen. I, you know, I could get into like, God, so many questions. So we'll have to do it again, but I want to honor your time. I know you're a busy man. You got stuff to do and 
Um, but is there anything that you wish that I had asked or that you want to talk about before we, we kind of close it out? Um, I would just say that it's like, you know, we're at a, you know, I'm trying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as sort of accurate with this, but you know, just feel it out. It's like, we're at a, a bit of an, you could say still an early stage um, when it comes to mass amounts of people questioning the official narratives of our world. Yes, this has been going on for a long time. There's been incredible authors, been incredible people who have written and done so much work over the past you know, 50, 100 years to help people think differently about the nature of what's going on in our world and our systems and infrastructures, but it's really grown massively since 9-11, say, right? It's really, there's a ton of people and, and we're into that journey. You could say we're 20 years in, like, you know, we're more than that, but what I'm saying is it's really gotten big in the last 20 years um, as to how many people are really questioning these narratives. And you could say in that sense, hey, you know, we're, we've, got, we've got some knowledge under our belts. We've got, some, we've got some experience under our belts when it comes to that part of things. Realizing that something else is, you know, something's not quite right with the world in a big way. And a lot of us are feeling, okay, but now what? Okay, but where does it go from there? What, and what we're at the beginning stage of now, and again, some people have made some contributions to this in the past. I think of Buckminster Fuller. I think of uh, you know, Jacques Fresco off the top of my head. I think of other people who have proposed you know, various solutions and stuff. But we're still at the beginning stages of spending as much time as we do with the other stuff, the information stuff. <clears throat> we're at the beginning stages of really starting to ask ourselves the question, what do we want our world to look like? And how can we let go of this idea of what we think a human is, how it is and how it should act and how it should uh, be within a society, which was all informed by ideas that came from the illusion. The illusion is simply an idea of who we think we are, but it's not actually true, right? <clears throat> I've been talking too much and now my throat's starting to get a little bit wiry here, but um, the whole protocol, CE protocol that I have, again, series of concepts, not a, you have to do this step by step. It talks about in the third aspect of it, uh, deprogramming limits. And those, you're deprogramming the limits and the ideas and the beliefs and the stories that you took on as a result of believing in the illusion, believing in something that you thought was true but wasn't. And so as you deprogram the limits, it's a process of letting go. And in the process of letting go, you start expanding your awareness. You start expanding what's really going on. And because you're already neutral, because awakening the neutrality, awakening the non-judgment within yourself, you start to realize and see things even more clearly because you're not, you're not putting up a lens of my political uh, affiliation, my gender, my skin color. You're getting away from all that because you've experienced that that's not truly who you are anyway. That's just the, the physical aspect that you're experiencing the reality with. You're just playing with that car instead of a different car. So it's literally that simple. And all the cars go the same speed and do the same thing. I mean, they're not like they're, you know, they're, oh, you're completely incapable of doing this and you're complete. Nope, right? Yes, we have small differences, but they're not major. Um, but in deprogramming the limits, we really start to realize we can let go of these old ideas. And these old ideas don't define us. And then we start to say, okay. So if I was living aligned with my heart, this idea of who I truly know that I am at a deeper aspect of myself, what do we want 
the reality, what is humanity truly capable of? I've said this a billion times on this thing, but it comes back to this because this is what I believe we're at the beginning stages of really doing as a collective and give yourself permission to do it. Make this the conversations you get together with your friends about, you know? So how would you really see your reality? What do you want it to look like? What do you want, uh, you know, the, the foods, what do you like? How do you want to live day to day? Like, how do you want your neighborhoods? What do you want your neighbor to be doing? Like when I say what, I'm not saying so that they're all under your control and under this, I'm talking about like, really think about how do you want other people to be living alongside you? Because even if you create a fantastic reality for yourself, you can get in your car, drive down the street and have someone who's all enraged and upset because the government just took away their paycheck and they're smashing your car that you just manifested and they're breaking everything down. Whatever. Oh, not in my frequency, not in my frequency. Well, hold on. We're all in this planet together and we're moving from this individual journey to creating a collective journey. And while I do think that you attract less, quote unquote, um, un undesirable experiences, the more you're in tune with the aspect of yourself, I do agree with that. There does come a push. There does come a point. There does come a part of this journey where you realize I share the same planet as the people who are destroying it. Right. And therefore, even if I have abundance now, what if the air quality becomes so bad and I can't escape that? How am I going to ride the $20,000 bicycle that I attracted into my life outside and enjoy it to its fullest? I can't, right? Because there will always be some level of something going on. So the point is, is we really need to start looking at our collective reality and envisioning that and inspiring that and talking about that and being really careful to question Am I creating my collective reality based on what I accept about the world today and how it has to be, i.e., my vision is small, i.e., well, instead of paying 15% tax on income, it'll be just 10. That'll be a step. I'm talking about really blow the doors off what you think your reality could be. If you make this a culture, if we spread this idea, if this idea expands, it's only going to continue to grow the actions that come out of that state of being in that culture. That's all. Beautiful, man. I absolutely agree. And I love all that. It reminds me of the quote, uh, it is not the answer that enlightens us, but the question. And I think that the, the quality of questions that we ask ourselves and also that we ask our community and engage in. And again, you brought up the point at the beginning of like, this is allowing to open up the questions. You know, what do you, what would you like to see in our community now? What, what would you like to see in the world? How do you think our world is run? All these questions that you know, I know that you've been like this for a while. I was kind of born like this. And, you know, my friends usually like, I don't know, man, <laughs> you know, just yeah. these, these aren't common questions that, you know, would get a lot of traction when I was with the boys trying to discuss these things. And yeah. so now uh, I think uh, collectively we're a lot more open to them and that's the beginning. That's the start. And I think it was the conversation that I had with you and how you were kind of just sharing everything. It, I love the idea of saying, hey, it made me think of we're, we're on this planet together now. Like what an amazing time in history. Yeah, it, it's a little bit rough looking right now. It's, mm -hmm. it's, it looks like if you research some stuff, a lot of not positive stuff, but you are here, you matter, you make a difference. Um, and we can come together and create this. And this is, we have, uh, we have this opportunity now to do that. We have this opportunity to reflect, take action, be who we want to be um, and, and create new systems because- the people have looked at them, and if you do this yourself, you'll know that they're due for an upgrade. 
at the very least, at the very least, you know, our cultures around the world are due for an upgrade. And a lot of that starts with morality, with values, with ethics and building there. And uh, yeah, man, just those questions um, are a very powerful start. It's simple, you know, it's very simple stuff. Like, you know, I'll kind of stop you. I'll go ahead. I was going to add something just to that, to what you're saying right now, right? It's the idea that, you know, think of your own life and think of like, you know, let's say whether everybody's had a slightly different experience with this, but you're in a relationship, you're in a job, you're hanging out with a group of friends, you're doing whatever it might be. And you start to get this inkling, you know, I've kind of, I kind of need to move on. I've outgrown this experience. Maybe I'm not really meant to be in this relationship. Maybe I'm not really meant to be at this job. I can feel it's just dragging at this point. Maybe I'm not really meant to play for this team, or I'm not really meant to do whatever it is that you're doing. And you can feel that, but you kind of just keep going because it's easy and it's easy and it gets more and more uncomfortable as time goes on, but it's, it's just kind of easy. It's kind of easy. And then all of a sudden something happens. You get into a, maybe your, your, the partner that you really didn't want to be with deep down goes and cheats on you and gives you all the reason you need to leave that relationship. Maybe, uh, you know, the, the job that they just go, you know what, you're fired, whatever. So maybe there's a big misunderstanding at work and you get fired. You know, I, I was talking to a guy the other day, who was an admin uh, running one of the Facebook pages. And he was saying, you know, he's like, the work I was doing, like with my website and running the Facebook page, he's like, it was dragging. I didn't even want to do it anymore. I wasn't even inspired by it. So when Facebook deleted my page as part of the censorship clear out, he's like, it was the greatest gift because it freed me from something that I didn't want to do, but that I didn't know how to walk away from. Because, you know, he just hadn't really asked himself a question. How do I walk away from it? So we can view experiences that we've had in whatever light we choose to view them. But at the end of the day, they're Kalists, right? They're, they, they, they help us do things. And humanity is at that point where we've been in that relationship too long. We've been in that job too long. We've held on to that Facebook page too long. And we know that we want to change it. We know that it's time to move forward. And we're seeing exactly what we need to see to push us to say, all right, it's time to make a change. It's time to move on. And it's not necessarily going to happen tomorrow or the next or whatever, but it's not also going to take 50 to 100 years. That's just the belief system up here, right? It's how much do we want to engage in this process? And that's a choice that we make. How much do we want to really start to ask ourselves a question, shift the culture, really open up, really start to let go, really start to practice, get into and move on from the anger, move on from just understanding that there's something wrong with the world, but really stepping into what else is part of that picture. Where do we want to go? And the more we kind of spend that time, the more we'll move forward. I love it, man. I, again, I totally agree. And the last thing that I was going to share on the end of mine, which makes sense here is that when I've worked with individuals or watch people transform and, and say, Hey, I hate my life and I want to change it. I was like, well, it's going to take like three months usually. And like, what do you mean? I was like, well, to get clear in the direction you want to go, it, it, you know, you kind of got to go all through these processes, but once you have a direction, you just kind of keep going. Nobody really knows the end result and, right. and it works with everybody. And a lot of people end up quitting their jobs and they're not done. We're still connected, watching them go through, but that's what we need to do on a planetary level. It's just, you need that time to think and like, okay, I'm not sure where to start. Okay. I know like uh, I want to go towards peace or something like that, or, you know, we want better communities, or we want more control of our food, or whatever it is, a planetary level or a personal level. Once you kind of get clear, you can take a step of action. And I just want to bring up one other thing I've, I forgot to mention. When you talked about imagining the new world, and I've been thinking about this for a lot, a long time as well, 
one of the best things that I've learned is a clarity through contrast through Michael Lozier, who wrote the law of attraction. One of my first mentors, shout out Michael. Thank you, man. Um, he, you know, it's like when you don't, when we make a list of things we don't want it, we give rise to what we do want. So if you go on the worst date of all time, you know, he was rude. So what do you want? Well, I want somebody who's polite, you know, uh, they smelled really bad. So what do I want? I want somebody who smells nice. Uh, they, we didn't have similar interests. So what do you want? You want somebody who has similar interests. So when we're looking at the planet and all this stuff that's happening, we can say, oh, I don't like this. I don't like having this freedom. So what do I want? I, you know, I want autonomy. You know, I don't like that uh, my food is GMO. What do I want? Nice, healthy food. Oh, I don't want to work 40 hours at a job I hate. Okay, what do I want? I want fulfilling work. And so every single time that in this experience, we see something that we're not uh, enjoying and we don't we don't really uh, resonate with we can say what is the thing that we want to create out of this because all of those uh, catalysts of just negative experiences give opportunity if we say so what is it that we want then we can focus and create that and build it on real values that have deep meaning and not superficial uh, egotistical stuff that will give temporary pleasure um, yeah. so, so I want to add all that do you want to add anything else Oh, I was just going to say, like, you know, as people keep asking themselves what they want, a lot of times what happens is people go, well, you know, because uh, it's, again, it's our culture. It's the way we've been sort of trained and programmed is like we're still kind of waiting on that person who comes and presents us a book, a documentary or something that says, OK, here's what the new world for humanity can look like. And this is the whole this is the whole picture, how every piece of the puzzle works and how all the infrastructure. Well, hold on a second. We're co-creating this reality, Right which means we're going to be part of it in some way, shape or form. And our role may not be to create a particular infrastructure or a piece of that infrastructure, but we might, it might be, it might be that there's a particular thing we're passionate about and our, our idea comes forth with that. But guess what? We're not going to figure it out. We're not going to hone into what our interests are within a new world. If we're still just repeating the same old world ideas and old world systems and infrastructures all the time, we got to start doing that. And then we got to start engaging in the process, which is, talk to some of the inventors. I was on the phone the other day with a mechanical engineer, uh, like a financier guy and an inventor. And you know, the inventor has already proof of concept of a device that, that works to produce energy where you don't need it hooked up to anything. And I, again, I've already seen devices that are already working, but here's another guy who's come together with something and he's going, here's, here's what I have. Here's what I need help with. And the guy's like, okay, great. Yeah. I can bring together the mechanical engineer that can help and this that help. And guess what? They're going to do it regardless of whether there's funding, they're going to get on a plane, they're going to work together, they're going to figure it out, whatever. You don't know until you start talking about where the world can truly go. And here's the difference. All of these guys on the phone, we're not saying we need to IP this, we need to patent this, and then we need to figure out our go-to-market strategy. Instead, they're all going, this needs to be freed to humanity, meaning they just need, people need to see that something else is possible. They need to, they need to understand this story of I got to own and control and patent and copyright and this is mine, part of the old world, dissolving, disappearing. We don't need to keep playing with it, right? So anyway, I don't know what else to say other than that. <laughs> uh, dude, I love it, man. I I just made up out of my ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, dude, man. I appreciate everything that you shared. I have a huge admiration for you as an individual and all the incredible work that you've done over the years um, and uh, your integrity moving forward with all the chaos that ensues with a, a career and a choice like that. And, uh, you know, I've always witnessed you maintain 
integrity, maintain honesty in the face of a storm. And I can't say that for everybody that I've met along the way, but I can definitely say that for you. So for that, you have my respect and appreciation, my friend and support moving forward with uh, everything that you're doing. If people are, don't know who you are, where are they going to find you? Collective Evolution? Yeah, collective-evolution.com. You know, we're, we have articles that come out, you know, on a fairly regular basis. Still, we're covering stuff. And we do have a YouTube channel. We have Instagram, all that sort of stuff. If you type in Collective Evolution, you'll find it. Um, and then CETV, if you want to explore a little deeper some of the stuff we're doing or support it, CETV.1 is the way to go. But, I mean, one of the biggest ways you can really support anything is just doing the stuff that we talked about. Really just ask the questions. Get into a different state of being. Keep building your awareness about stuff going on, but, you know, bring in some of the other ingredients. Awesome, man. Well, I definitely uh, invite everybody to check out your work. It's a go-to for me. Uh, so support Joe, support his work. He's doing an amazing job. Uh, persevered through a lot of arrows um, from different yeah. organizations. So uh, if you're going to support somebody, support my buddy. So uh, thanks appreciate so much, it. man. I appreciate you. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that so much. Okay, man. See you guys. Thanks for watching. Hey guys, I hope that you enjoyed that episode of the show. If you do want to support getting the word out there, please share this. Leave a review in iTunes. Go to mattbailier.com. Sign up for the email list. You can also become a patron if you go to patreon.com forward slash mattbailier or join the Mastermind Body and Spirit Academy. And when you do, you'll get access to the amazing Soul Compass course. I would love to have you there getting your feedback your questions and just making the academy the exclusive content the course even better with your feedback and during this time we're doing a pay as you want so just hit me up matt belair or matt at zenathlete.com or dm me on instagram or anywhere and let me know what you can afford um, and happy to get that course and have you in the academy and it also supports the show so i can keep doing these and uh, bringing you the best guests and information possible so thank you so much for listening to this i hope that you are well safe and happy and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode.